Broadcasting live from the Santa Lucia Highlands through the heart of the Casterville Artichoke Fields, westward to the Elkhorn Slough, and south to the rugged Big Sur coastline, you're listening to What's the Plan? A weekly discussion with local thought leaders about the future of Monterey County. And now, here's your host, Mr. Paul Wyant. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. This is going to be a phenomenal show. I have a seasoned radio personality with me today, Mr. Kevin Phillips. He owns several local restaurants, great restaurants, uh, including Abilinetti's, excuse me, Bar and Grill, the Whaling Station, home of almost criminally delicious uh, steaks, and uh, the Beach House over at Lover's Point. Uh, but first, let me remind you that if you can't listen at 1.30 on Saturdays here on Power Talk, you can always listen to us at whatstheplanmonterey.com or on iTunes or Spotify. Welcome to the program, Mr. Phillips. How are you? Thank you. Thank you, Paul. So, uh, congratulations on your show, and, and thanks for having me. I know. Hopefully, uh, I, I will never rival Mr. Marzetti as far as appearances. <laughs> I think you're up to 30 appearances on his show. Is that correct? I have a last count, but it's 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 always fun. He makes it easy. He's uh, well, yeah. With a guest <laughs> like you, you you do a phenomenal job on that show. Um, so, for those who don't know, Mister Phillips, what I was hoping to do this hour or this half hour <clears throat> is dive into your history because I had the pleasure of one time sitting down with Kevin and uh, talking about it's just an encyclopedic knowledge of the restaurants <laughs> in Monterey and the history of Fisherman's Wharf and and those things. So. I guess my first question would be, tell us where you grew up and what drew you to the Monterey area? Yeah, well, I was actually born in a little town called Seaside, Oregon. Uh, my, my family had friends that lived here, and they always wanted to move here. So during my freshman year of high school, uh, they made the move, and I ended up at Pacific Grove High School, graduating in their class of 77. And uh, about a year before I graduated, I got a job first as a caddy. And then as a busboy at the Club 19 restaurant for the living legend, Pierre Bain. And that in itself changed the course of my life because he became almost like a second father to me and brought me along. Uh, I went from busboy to waiter. And then he gave me my first experience as uh, super doing supervisory work. He gave me the title of captain and I was managing one lunch shift a week. And it was it was just an amazing experience uh, as, as young as I was at the time I was about 23 at the time youngest server on the staff and uh, out of the blue completely out of the blue I was offered the job of the general manager of the Cypress Room the newly remodeled Cypress Room in 1985 most beautiful dining room I'd ever seen in my life and so uh, it was I went from waiting tables and some su- some supervisory experience to general manager of a breakfast lunch and dinner large, beautiful restaurant. I was in way over my head and I loved every minute of it. <laughs> well, well, he, he clearly saw something in you and I'd say uh, time has proven that he was correct. And that I got to ask a quick follow-up question about PG High School because my, uh, my <laughs> are going there now. What was the enrollment? Just this is, a, I think, I think I know the answer to this, but this tells about the arc of Pacific Grove. What was the enrollment of Pacific Grove High School back then? You know, I, I don't, I don't recall, but uh, I don't think it's a lot bigger now than it was then. It was, it was a pretty large uh, student body at the time. Yeah, I was thinking it was close to a thousand back then, and now it's close to four hundred. But I don't, I no, okay. it's smaller. Okay, yeah, really I was wondering about that. But um, wow, so, so you, so you're in charge of that. So how does, how do you go from there to uh, the the restaurants on the wharf and the whaling station? 
Well, it, it kind of speaks to the the title of your show. What's the plan? Uh, I don't recall ever having a plan to tell you the truth, Paul. And it's kind of the hallmark of what how my how my career traveled along. Uh, and I just never said no to any opportunity that came my way. Uh, I, every opportunity that I was presented with was was a step into deeper water, uh, where I had to stretch and challenge myself. And I always loved that opportunity. When I, when I was busing tables, I was fascinated by what the waiters were doing, the decisions the manager was making, everything was going on around me. And I, and I, I wanted to, to move into those positions and, and realms and participate in that. Uh, and for me, it became a hotel career. Uh, so I, from Pebble Beach, I became part of the opening crew at Carmel Valley Ranch in 1987. Uh, gorgeous resort out there in the valley and, and uh, the opening of a hotel was an experience like, like none other beyond opening a restaurant this was an entire hotel and so I was in charge of the dining room room service uh, the main lounge and again things I'd never done before and it was it was an incredible experience and if you know the history of Carmel Valley Ranch uh, they went through some tough times uh, they were funded by a savings and loan company that they owned and then they eventually had to divest themselves of their assets uh, with the meltdown of the savings and loans uh, institutions in 1989. Uh, my friends and I worked there, survived that, went through two changes of ownership. Uh, I became food and beverage director, so I was running all food operations in the entire resort uh, for about two years. And then a very important thing happened. Uh, the boutique hotel company that owned Cumberland Ranch called me in for a meeting and they said they were going to groom me to become a general manager of one of their properties. And I knew as soon as they said it, I didn't want to do that. Now I was at the time I was 33 years old. I had two children, um, a beautiful wife, Julie at home. And it was a very sobering moment because I had assumed I was going to work in hotels, but I'd seen a general manager up close to work with them very closely, Cal Jepson. And I wanted no part of that sort of role. So I ended up moving out of that, and that's when I met uh, John Pisto. And John, uh, an amazing local talent, a celebrity chef, and uh, had his own TV show at the time. And he had four restaurants, and he was looking to sort of organize them all under common practices of policies. And, and I had that kind of structural background from the hotel business. So I joined him, and the very first project we did in 1997 – was to renovate and relaunch the whaling station as a signature steakhouse. Sure. And it was, an, it was another incredible experience. And I guess backing up, I had these amazing opportunities to work first with Pierre Bain for several years, with John Pisto for about 10 years, and ultimately my late partner, Jim Gilbert, God rest his soul, uh, for another 10 years. So I was extremely fortunate to work with these people that provided amazing opportunities for me. Well, you know, and the, and the common through line in most uh, successful people's lives sounds like you had as well as you had an insatiable curiosity about this business. And uh, and it sounds like you didn't want the corporate uh, to go the corporate route with uh, Carmel Valley Ranch and, and that corporation. It, did, it sounds what, what really interested you was the nuts and bolts of uh, operating your own restaurant and kind of like creating new new spaces like the whaling station. Can you talk a little bit, maybe a little bit more about that, if you like, or agree or disagree, and then maybe a little bit about the history of the whaling station, because I think that's a really cool story as well. Yeah, as we went along, uh, and we were working with, with Pisto. It was, it was Every day was an adventure with that guy. He's a creative genius, and he's like a fountain of ideas every day. And uh, it, was, it was a lot of fun. It was always interesting. And so we had Paradiso and Canary Row, which became Blue Moon. 
uh, sort of fusion restaurant. We had Domenico's on the wharf and Abilinetti. Mm-hmm. And in, in 2007, he sold uh, Abilinetti to Jim Gilbert. He sold Domenico's to his nephews, uh, Dominic and Sam Mercurio, uh, who still have it to this day. So at that point, that broke up our partnership. And that's when I went to work with Jim Gilbert. So we formed a new partnership. And uh, it started with Abilinetti. So we said, well, let's let's work with Abilinetti so we can do how we work together and pursue opportunities uh, beyond that. Uh, the first, so it took a few years to find the, the first solid opportunity, and that became the construction of the beach house. We were actually in negotiations with the property across the street at Lover's Point, and I had big plans for that. Uh, it was very exciting, but the, ultimately it all fell through. The, the, the owners just couldn't negotiate the way that, uh, they, even for their, in their own benefit, uh, they got stuck on things like earthquake insurance. The thing dragged on to finally it stopped. And oddly enough, about two weeks later, I got the call about the beach house project. And at that time, no construction had begun. All they had done was pursued their, uh, their uh, approvals from Coastal Commission, and that took them several years. So we looked at it, and we thought, you know, this really could be a special opportunity. And, of course, being a Pacific Grove high school graduate, spent a lot of time at Lover's Point, this was really a labor of love, something, a really special opportunity. And so it took us two years to build it. It was supposed to take one year. It took two. You know what's funny about that, Kevin? I want to interject because I was with my wife uh, last night, as a matter of fact, on the path, looking back at the beach house. And they did a really phenomenal job with that. It really fits well into the landscape there with the, the historic pool, which is now a, a uh, volleyball court. And, and there's the whole, the pier where the kids jump off and everything. It just fits. It's just architecturally, I think you guys did an exceptional job with that. And thank you. And there's, there's no place like Lover's Point. I mean, in every direction you look, from every angle you view it, uh, our website has, uh, has shots, uh, aerial shots of, of the properties as well. But the, 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 the architectural vision was to double the size of the building but incorporate the new building into the old. And they, they did a brilliant job of that with that high-pitched, sh- sharply pitched roof. Mm-hmm. And so it really... It really is a landmark. Uh, we opened in June of 2013 to great anticipation. Um, we had more attention than we wanted, actually. And we also rolled out our Sunset Supper program because something that's also true in all of our restaurants, and we, and we, we stamped it on this place from day one, is to provide value so that people can enjoy these restaurants uh, as often as they like without breaking the bank. So our our early menu called the Sunset Supper. We still have it every day from 4 to 5.30 with a menu that we've called the greatest dining value in the history of mankind. So you can get a, a beautiful sand or salmon entree for 12 or $13 in this incredible setting. So the locals embrace it from day one. We love it and continue it uh, to this day, seven years later. Absolutely. And you you do have a lot of signature dishes because if you go back to Abilonetti, your uh, – the way you prepare squid there, I think, is very unique on the peninsula. And then you have uh, just a, a delicious steak at the whaling station. And then, as you mentioned, the sunset uh, at, at Lover's Point is an, is another great deal. Um, I, I was going to talk to you a little bit about, so the whaling station, what's the history of that name real quick? And, uh, yeah, and that's, that's a good story. So uh, we all, if, if you know Monterey, you know there's the old whaling station, which is down by the wharf. It's a historic site. And it's a venue now for weddings and so on. Well, John Pisto 
had a little fish and chip shop on uh, on the wharf called the Captain's Gig. And he wanted to put a restaurant in that building at the old whaling station. But he couldn't work anything because it's a state-owned property, lots of red tape. He got very frustrated. So he found this shop, this former uh, retail shop on uh, Wave Street. And he called that the Whaling Station Inn. Just basically propagated that name and called it the Whaling Station Inn. And he opened a restaurant. It was first going to be a vegetarian restaurant because all of his friends were hippies. And then he figured out none of them had any money. So he had to broaden the menu. And he was doing things like abalone sandwiches and a variety, a variety of things. And he got, he got it rolling and expanded the building twice. And then at some point he started doing steaks and, be, and he became known for the steaks that he, uh, that he was doing over an oak grill, uh, oak pit grill there. Uh, and so he gathered this vision of, of rededicating it and relaunching it and, and really making a, a steakhouse. So that, that was, I joined him in October 1st of 1996 uh, with that, as I said, that being our first project. So in the development of the new restaurant, he went through a, a lot of different ideas. He was going to call it Pisto's Prime because it's all prime beef. Mm -hmm. I told him that, you know, I think the waiting station has so much capital build up because uh, I was there long enough, even a few, just a few months before uh, the remodel, but I saw how many local people really loved the restaurant. So the name really had a meaning and, and, and had capital. So we decided to call it the Whaling Station Prime Steaks and Seafood, dropping in, which confused people. We actually had people show up at the restaurant uh, with suitcases sometimes thinking it was a, like a bed and breakfast or something. And so the Whaling, the Whaling Station Prime Steaks and Seafood was launched uh, March 10th of 1997. And it was fascinating to me because I was so proud of the way the restaurant looked, the way it looks today. Uh, mm -hmm. And... The regulars filed in, and every one of them hated it. They said he ruined the place. Uh, it was his, his, his longtime waiters were going to leave, and of course they're still they're still there. One one of them is one of them has been there since the restaurant opened. Uh, we call him affectionately Jumbo. But Jumbo has been there for fifty years, and he's still there. Uh, all the, the regular people. The regulars got used to the new look, but what we did that was so important was that we attracted a new market, which was primarily driven by the hotels. Here was the new place, beautiful restaurant, all about being a great steakhouse, and there was nothing like it in the whole peninsula. Mm. Yeah, it's a it's a fixture now. Let well, real quick, uh, I guess we're going to go to break now. We're about about time to go to break. But before we do, I did want to ask you real quick, Kevin, what, out of all your restaurants here, what, what's your favorite dish of the four? Uh, if you had to pick one, maybe that's an uncertain okay. question. Which is my favorite child? Is that what you're asking me, Paul? Yeah, maybe you shouldn't answer that. Maybe you should pick top three. <laughs> I don't know. I'll be happy to talk about the Sydney dishes. I'd be happy to talk about those because we have them at all the restaurants. Absolutely. All right. Well, uh, looks like we've lost Mark. There he is. Thank you, Mark. I'm Paul Wyant. You've been listening to What's the Plan on Central Coast Power Talk, 1460 and 101.1 FM. We'll be right back with more from Kevin Phillips, and he has a hot update on one of his restaurants. So let's, uh, let's stay tuned for that. Good idea. 
One company is on a mission to put a million people to work each year. Sounds like a big number, doesn't it? Not to express employment professionals. We take pride in connecting the right people with the right company. Express Employment Professionals is on a mission to put a million people to work each year. Let us help. We'll open doors for you. For great employees, call Monterey County Express Employment Professionals, 831-920-1230. That's 831-920-1230. Advertising. Love it or hate it, it's a vital tool for business owners to attract customers and earn a living. But some city governments have arbitrary laws about what advertising signs can and cannot say. The First Amendment protects freedom of speech. IJ is committed to defending free speech against excessive and unfair government regulations. Please visit our website today at ij.org to find out how you can help the Institute for Justice. If you're planning an event and searching for the perfect venue, consider the Monterey County Sheriff's Posse Grounds on Old Natividad Road in Salinas. The Posse Grounds has it all. A complete kitchen, barbecue pits. We also have an outdoor stage featuring a large dance area, all in a private setting and wide open spaces. So book your event now. Call 831-444-6267 or visit our website at mcsposse.com. The Monterey County Sheriff's Posse is a not-for-profit organization. Checking the time, 12 minutes before 2 o'clock. Let's get back to more of What's the Plan with your host, Paul Wyant. Uh, thank you so much, Mark. I'm here with the great Kevin Phillips, uh, local business owner, local restaurant owner. And Kevin, as I was, uh, I went out to Costco this morning, and there were cars all the way from Monterey to, to maybe all the way back to MGen or Light Fighter. Uh, many of those hopefully are listening right now. So what I know COVID has affected restaurants, but... You have some great outdoor dining setups at your restaurant. So could you tell uh, those who are stuck in traffic a little bit of what awaits them in the beautiful town of Monterey? Well, if you're headed to the wharf, you'll see something that uh, has never happened down there before. I've, I've spent 25 summers on the wharf, and I'm still a newcomer to my neighbors down there. But all of the restaurants have outdoor seating in one fashion or another. Abilinetti just happened to have more outdoor seating already than anybody else did. So we have a large patio and additional seating outside of the patio, um, and everything's spaced out. We've worked very hard to make sure all the protocols are in place, all the tables are spaced properly, so it's safe and it's fun. And the whole environment of the wharf is, is, is really, really something special. It's like our weird little neighborhood down there. And you mentioned the calamari. We serve calamari uh, more than 20 different ways. Uh, of course, that's what we're known for locally as well. And speaking of signature dish, we have a dish called the Marty Special, and I know that it's a favorite of a lot of local chefs that are friends of mine that think of it and crave it and come and get it. So it's like an eggplant calamari parmesan with a large fried plank of eggplant with the tender calamari fillets on top, marinara sauce, and cheese finished in the oven. It's, in, it's incredible. It's been served since Abilene was born in the 1950s by the original uh, owners. So it's just terrific down there. Now, we really struggled to get outdoor seating uh, at the beach house because we do have a patio. We call it the solari uh, solarium. But once we properly spaced the tables, we only had nine, nine tables. The City of Pacific Grove has been so incredibly supportive of us from the very beginning of the beach house. In this case, they came down and visited me on a Friday two weeks ago, and they said I could build a parklet out in front, like a deck in the parking spaces in front of the restaurant. So... They, they gave me that verbal approval on Friday. I hired the contractor on Saturday. Monday, we began 
we began uh, construction and we opened it the following weekend. Also, they gave us another 12 feet besides the two parking spaces. So we've got actually 44 feet of frontage with 10 tables all properly spaced. So we went from nine tables to 19 tables uh, literally overnight. Uh, the whaling station, that was really tough. There was no place to put outdoor seats. I did apply to the city of Monterey to put to get some fashion of seating in the parking spaces in front of the restaurant there. It's been over a month and I still don't have any direction whether we're going to be able to do it or not. So I asked our landlord if we could put a tent behind the restaurant in the parking lot they in immediately told me i could do it so we installed a 1400 square foot tent with heaters lights the whole thing put in by chic entertainment a wonderful local company catering company that installed the tent took care of everything we needed to do it and we have 15 tables in there and i'll tell you what the staff and this talks about the staff at all of our restaurants the brilliant job that they've all done to adapt to an ever-changing landscape of, of uh, requirements. But they went the extra mile to create these really special environments. Uh, the general manager, Alfredo Ortiz, at the, at the wedding station, if you ever go to the wedding station, you know Alfredo. It's a very special guy. His idea was to put a bar in the tent. So we rented a full-size bar and put it inside the tent. So you have that added atmosphere where the, all the drinks are being made in there. The bartender's working. We have music. We have uh, lighting and uh, it's art pieces. I mean, it's, it's, it's stunning. It's beautiful. And, and the beach house park that we, we put heaters out there and, and lighting and, uh, with the amount of space that we there, people have instantly, uh, really, really enjoyed that space. So all of it is working. Everybody's contributing, uh, collaborating. And, and I'll tell you, this is such a crazy business that we're in, in the best of times, but I can speak for all my friends in the business that this is kind of brings out the best in us. Uh, this is what we do. We solve problems. That's, that's what we're sort of, that's just what we do. And this is every day. It's a new problem. First, we're doing takeout, takeout only. Then we can do takeout dine-in. Then we can't do dine-in anymore. Then we're figuring out how to do outdoor dining. And every day is so critical because the sales today are going to help us pay our bills in the winter. Well, and, and I was saying uh, earlier to one of my friends is that I think the restaurant's Hopefully, most of them or all of them survive this, but they're going to almost be better because if we keep the parklets, it's just so much of wonderful. It's a wonderful atmosphere. And for those who, who aren't from Monterey, uh, Abilonetti is on the left side of Fisherman's Wharf as you walk down. So park in Monterey and walk down there. And Old Monterey, just off of Cannery Row, is where you'll find the whaling station and their delicious steaks. So just look for that giant tent in the parking lot. And then, of course, at Lover's Point is where you'll find the beautiful beach house. And that moves us to maybe some breaking news. Uh, David Marzetti, if you're listening, uh, <laughs> hopefully he's jealous, uh, about, I think it's the big fish or at the end of Fisherman's Wharf, I believe that was, is that it? Yeah, in 2014, we acquired Rapa's restaurant from the Rapa's family. We were there 63 years and we, we sort of retooled. We did some work on the place. We renamed it Big Fish Grill and we put in new menus and we went rolling and we're doing really well. Uh, my partner and I kept discussing that we really wanted to, to remodel and relaunch it because it's, it's such an incredibly special location, unmatched in the Monterey area. It occupies the entire end of the pier of Fisherman's Wharf and has views in every direction of the boats and the sea life and everything. But the interior was just tired. It was kind of a faux Italian look, reds and greens. And, and uh, unfortunately, he, he got sick and he passed away uh, before we could start that process. The great Jim Gilbert, he passed away at, 80, at age 84 back in October of 2018. So 
his, his wife, Ardell, and his daughter, Kelly, are my partners. And uh, I said, you know, we need to do this as a legacy project for Jim and, and make, give, this, give this place its due. We have 21 more years on the lease. So back in December, we embarked on what really sounded like a great idea then to spend a lot of money to renovate that space. Of course, then here comes COVID and the whole thing is shut down. But we are continuing it. And uh, I can tell you, when people see it, they're just not going to believe what a transformation of a space that is. And I, I look at it sort of as the waiting station of seafood on Fisherman's Wharf. It's how we want how we want to position it. And I don't think you're going to see Big Fish Grill either. Okay. Well, so uh, when uh, is there is there a tentative date for this, or what do you think? Yeah. What's um, the plan? Huh? Yeah. What's the plan? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's a great example. Uh, we don't know. Uh, there were a series of permits. The city almost shut down completely the permit process for a while. So we will need to get a, three more permits to finish the project. But the work is moving along um, every day, and it, I would hope it's going to be ready sometime next month. Mm -hmm. But we'll get, we'll get a better idea the next couple of weeks because we started building the new bar, uh, and the, the flooring is nearing completion. Those are two major projects in there. But we're going to have a better idea. Uh, and, uh, but I can tell what you a this great concept Yeah, every day. We're one day closer. Yeah, that's absolutely true. What a, what a great concept. And I, and you said something really insightful and you may, may or may not remember when I talked to you last about the preferences of modern diners and, and what you're doing to kind of like adapt to those that people aren't going for table. Oh, not everybody's going for tablecloth and linen and you were, and I think Abilinetti is a great example of of just fine dining where it's meets kind of modern preferences. So. Yeah. I think formality is what people aren't as interested in. Uh, there was, there was a time when there was a lot of fine dining restaurants at a, and it's a club 19 where I uh, had my formative years was fine dining. And it, interestingly enough, the whaling station steakhouse isn't really fine dining. It, it kind of has the trappings of that, but it's, it's more of a quality service, but a more relaxed uh, process of service, so to speak. So Alfredo's not wearing a tuxedo. Uh, the staff are uniform, but it's really more about the philosophy we have for service and food at all of our restaurants, which is quality, taking care of people, giving genuine quality service and genuine quality food. So that that is the philosophy throughout our operations. And really, to, to get it right, we work at it every single day. Yeah, and, and you have been extraordinarily successful. I have a, a private, I, I don't know, I have, I have a, a desire, and I know you have friends in high places, but between, um, by the parking lot on uh, Cannery Road, between, say, El Torito and, uh, what is it, the Turret House, there's an open piece of land there. What do you think about a Ferris wheel there someday, Kevin? <laughs> <laughs> I would love we, to we, we actually talked about putting a Ferris wheel on the wharf years ago. That, where, yeah, where the big fish was, like if, you could, and, if the yeah. roof could support it, right? Yeah. One thing we learned a long time ago, you have to understand the absolute control of the waterfront by the California Coastal Commission. And there's very, there's very few things in the way of development that they'll support along the waterfront. You, it took us, well, for instance, we have a beautiful coffee shop below the beach house. Oh, Lover's it is Point phenomenal. Beach. Yeah, we've slept on yeah. that this whole conversation. What are we doing? <laughs> Lover's, Point, Lover's Point Beach Cafe. Where we do paninis and acai bowls and all, the whole line of coffee and waffles and it's it's such a labor of love. My my great friend Jack Turner and I, uh, again, no plan. We just had this space and we created it bit by bit. Uh, and if you see it, it's a great oh. illness. 
Uh, just like Mark to ruin a good conversation. <laughs> Jeez, Luis. Well, it was a lot of fun, Kevin. If you can get that heated pool back instead of the, uh, the volleyball court, then I'd be a super fan. But no, anyway, heated pool. Heated pool. Heated pool. <laughs> Thank you so much, Kevin, for joining us. And again, that's at abilandeddy.com, the whaling station, thewhalingstation.com, beachhousepg.com. And I hope you can make it back to the show sometime. I'd also like to thank Mr. Mark Carbonero, the greatest producer in the business, and of course, the great Dave Marzetti, host of the Saturday morning shag bag radio show often with mr kevin Phillips. so anyway you've been listening to what's the plan on central coast power talk 1460 101.1 fm stay tuned next to business sense radio with mr edward king people get their kicks stopping on a dream